Give us an idea of what fast is. Okay. It takes 18 years to be an overnight success. <laughs> exactly. So 18 years is fast. 18 years is fast, man. If I could be anything, I can be fucking anything. I still remember the day I had that realization while speaking at our Freedom Fest event. And I'm here to tell you that you can be fucking anything you want in life. I am Clint X Morgan, your host for the Rich Mystic Man podcast. And if you're ready to create a life of freedom, connection, and abundance, this podcast is for you. Welcome to another episode of The Rich Mystic Man. I'm Clint X Morgan, and I am really excited about today's episode. Um, sort of not really, uh, <laughs> because I have uh, the man himself, uh, Johnny Sonic. Thanks for being here, brother. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. We had just had a great day in the studio, didn't we? Mate, we crushed it. We, uh, we're in the mix, uh, as I've been talking about before, we're in the mix of uh, creating an album. And um, it's uh, it's been both challenging, it's been uh, very intense, and I say really rewarding. And I think, you know, coming towards the the pointy end, um, you know, sort of the, the final weeks and, uh, you know, seeing their tracks come together and uh, hearing the beats, it's... Um, you know, and I guess it's something that you've experienced before and you've been through before and it's it's something that's pretty uh, new for me. Um, but I guess, yeah, just for the listeners who who don't know who you are and what I'd love to, I guess, guide today is because, you know, obviously it's the Rich Mystic Man uh, podcast and I'm talking about, you know, the rich, the mystic and the man. And you've attained some really incredible success in your life um, in the music arena. And so we'd love to uh, pick your brain on that and uh, ask some really powerful questions. And, um, you know, you, you're one of my, uh, great mentors or you're definitely my music mentor. And so I think, um, you know, what I love about our relationship is that you've attained something that I wish to attain. You know, you've had the success, you've hit the charts, you've had the big events, um, stadium events. And so that's, um, something that I'm working towards. And so, um, you know, I love that you've taken that path and what I, uh, believe in life is like mentors are imperative to your success. Yeah. So for me, it's like find someone who has the life or the success or who's walked the path before that you want to walk and, you know, get in the room with them, be inspired with them, learn from them, pay them money mm. to, to be educated by them. And so I love our relationship. I love what we're working on. And, um, yeah, but just give the guys a, a bit of a backstory, um, on the success of Johnny Sonic, the pop bellies. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the pop bellies started here in Australia when I came here in 2002 with Dave Good. And, um, we just had a, a mission individually. And then when we met, it seemed like we had the same vision, you know, to be the best in the world of what we did at that time. It was being uh, DJs and performers and it was really a case of finding someone with that same mentality and the same um, drive for the same goal. So we're like, well, look, we really complimented each other on the decks when we went back to back. So let's figure out something new. Let's figure out something that we can do that nobody else does. So we figured out how to make four decks and two mixers work at the same like actual turntables, not CDJs. And then we just started practicing. We spent like two years in the basement of his house in uh, Leinster Road in Annandale. Um, I think it's Johnson Street in Annandale. And we stayed there for four years. And, you know, we, we had nothing. Eating on a burger a day and a can of Coke a day kind of thing for sure. The garage days. Yeah, the garage days. Yeah, you know. So, and, and we were on Reason. Where I was just like, I'd been producing and I was doing, I was DJing in Ireland for quite a while and doing it quite successfully with John Power and uh, the, the likes of the Irish DJs, you know. And 
Uh, I was touring quite a lot and I was in like some pop acts when I was younger. So I've always had my feet sort of wet in, in the arts, you know, especially music because my grandfather. Then it was just when myself and Dave Meadows said we had this, this dr like sort of drive to get one thing done, like the two of us do about your album. You know, we have that similar passion, the similar drive to get that end result, you know. And then as things went on, we hit the floor running pretty fast. We did the Junkyard EP and that had Dirty Dreams, Dirty Girl and Junkyard on it. And it was just all about Moulin Rouge, our nightclub in Sydney. Just about, and we called it Junkyard House, kind of after like Fatboy Slim, Potbellies. He had his big beat. We had Junkyard and it was all to do with our little club. Like he had one, I think it was Bristol or Brighton. Um, I'm pretty sure it was one or the other. And um, I kind of molded that. Like whenever you think of Fatboy Slim or someone says Fatboy Slim, puts a bit of a smile on your face because you know you're going to get a party and you know you, that you're in safe hands. And um, yeah, it was just, it was really a case of that, to have that is longevity. You have to have longevity for people to remember who you are and what, what you do and the songs have to relate to that, you know? And the whole thing when Don't Hold Back, when I wrote Don't Hold Back with the boys, I had that instrumental, uh, like the like that was just like an old techno track that I had and I played to Dave and he really liked it. We reworked it and there was no vocals on it. It was just a sawtooth. There's no guitar in it or anything. And then when when uh, this one night, something happens with uh, personally that made me write this song and write on an envelope, don't hold back. Is there anybody out there feeling fucking something, right? And that was it, it was big writing. I was, I was pretty wasted and I was pretty upset. I was pretty, t you know, I was very, do you mind sharing what happened? What was the... Well, my mum passed on my birthday and I didn't get back on time to see her. And she was ever, everything to me. So, and I buried her on my birthday. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, her funeral was on my birthday. That's what Don't Hold Back is about on my side of things. So, um, when I, I, I woke Dave up and we were living in the same house and John's just in... We were in, what were we, number? Oh, I can see the house. Anyway, another house that we were living together. And um, we literally... I woke him up. I was like, I've got a vocal for that instrumental. And he's like, we don't do vocals, man. We don't do vocals. We, you know, that's always silly. It's, that's pop. And I was like, no, Dave, no, no, no. Check it, check it, check it. I was like, this is going to fit. We just need a big, long, don't. And then he's like, hold back. And then, da, 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 something. We'll, we'll figure it out. Get Alan over. And we we just met Alan and we just done Dirty Dreams with me as a singer. And a fantastic front man, like legit rock star front man. You couldn't dream of a better front man, to be perfectly honest. And when he came in, um, it, be, like, it was like like five in the six in the morning, seven in the morning, and uh, we got a bottle of vodka. I was like, we got this beat, we got these lyrics, we got this don't, and there's the rest of it. And then, is there anybody out there feeling something? And that's all we got. And so we just started drinking vodka. We started laying down some ideas. And the first verse that Alan, he, he's he's an incredible classically trained musician, so he's got that real super deep intelligence of musicality, right? Where me and Dave are like, you know, we were two loop fantastics, you know, two bar loops. And uh, then we sort of, we stretched it out into chords to go under the chorus. And then the guitar, I was listening to, we don't need no education. I was like, ah, oh, there's something there, hang on. And then Sam Lamore had just done Pictures uh, remix like a tonight only remix of I got lots of pictures in my head and so I was like I'm blending the two of them easy and then I just came up with this riff and me and Lan were in my bedroom in a cupboard and with the dooner like over the two walls of the cupboard to record the vocals he was literally sweating his ass off 
It was in Princess Street in in Vaucluse. A little pair of like Daisy Duke shorts on, like doing push-ups, sweating, and then coming in and doing it down. So that all happened. And um, it went gangbusters, like overnight. It was crazy. Absolutely madness. And that lasted for like 13, 14, 15, 16 years, you know. Uh, I love it. I love it how it was recorded in a in a bedroom underneath the Dino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. And like, that's the thing, you kind of, it doesn't really matter what like you have. You know, I, I think I was still using Reason. I was just getting onto Ableton out of Cubase. And so it doesn't matter what you have. It's all about the concept and the idea. And then working with people, as you said, working with people who are better than you at what you want to achieve to get that desired result. So we're like, well, where did I get the influence for who's the best of of the best out there at the moment and what we do? And it was Sam Littlemore. Sam Littlemore, he's, he's uh, him and his brother Nick are Pinau. And also he's one half of um, Empire of the Sun. So he's, or sorry, his brother's Empire of the Sun. So it's an incredibly talented family, the Littlemores. You know, they're amazing blokes as well. Crazy. Brilliant, 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 crazy. And very, very, very family orientated with our crew back in Sydney. So we got Sam in and me and Dave literally sat on his kitchen floor for six months mixing that record. They're just watching and getting involved and being part of the thickness of the mix and how we separate sounds. And, you know, then after that, I went to Steve Scanlon to mix and master the whole album. So like constantly working with people who are brilliant to what they do to get better at what I want to get better at, you know? And then um, it just kept on being hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. And they kept on wanting, the labels kept on wanting the same stuff. So we we're like, okay, this is what we like writing. So we'll just keep writing big bangers. And then we had to take a break. We came back, won a couple of APRA awards, uh, like a bunch of ARIA nominations and kept on touring. And uh, all the way up until like a year or so before COVID. And then we were about to do some more stuff and COVID hit. And, you know, every, everyone kind of pitter-pattered <laughs> left and right after that. Um, but we had, myself and Dave had an amazing gig at Ministry of Sound there in Sydney at the Domain um, uh, for the Classical. And it was just like old times. We've got another one coming up in, in was it uh, June in uh, Melbourne? So it's been crazy, man. I've toured the world like nine times, pretty much. There's not many places I haven't been to. There's not much I haven't done. There's not much I haven't seen. Uh, I still uh, like aspire to do a shitload more. I feel like I've only just started. But it's it's on a ten year cycle, you know, since I've started, since I was well, like since I started producing at fifteen. So what um you mentioned, you said uh, back there when you're sharing your story, like things happen really fast. Give mm-hmm. us an idea of what fast is. Okay, it takes eighteen years to be an overnight success. <laughs> exactly. So eighteen years is fast. Eighteen years is fast, man. Like in in the you know the reason the reason I, I just wanted to go deep on this because you know oh, you hear uh interviews and things happen really fast and i you know mm-hmm. i can reflect on my journey and go oh, it happened really fast but really is 10 years yeah you know, so i'm like, wanting to unpack that because i think a lot of people are listening going they want things to happen really quickly but they don't understand the work the energy the the who you have to become the behind the scenes mm-hmm. that goes into all that time on your own yeah right so because it's it's those silent times that make you or break you so all those times that you're writing or you're doing your 10,000 hours, you'll see um, Ed Sheeran talk about this all the time. He's like, he got his 10,000 hours done as soon as possible because then the hits are just going to start coming. So, you know, I've been making music since I was a little bubba, you know, been doing, like, listening to my- Vanny, Vanny's age. Yeah, it was Vanny's age, exactly, you know? So it's been in like uh, Motown, Quincy Jones, that's just in my blood, it's in my stream, hip hop, it's in my stream, bloodstream, you know? Um, but there is no, I mean, there are, there's one hit wonders, you know, there's some people who have a bit of overnight success and disappear. Some people who have a lot of success and never disappear. That's what we're trying to do. But, it, you know, because of the movements of the world, 
in general, you can be famous like that, but you can also be hated like that. You know, just with that experience of the weekend, you can, you know, people are cruel and really beautiful out there. So I always find when, if you want for something to happen really, really fast, you've got to put a shitload of time and effort and love and every ounce of your body into it. Because if you don't, it's not going to be the best of what it could be. You know, and if you really, if you want to be up there and, you know, uh, working with the best of the best, doing what you're doing what, in whatever thing that you do, um, you got to go through all those levels and open little levels yourself. And, uh, you know, one thing I always say is that if, if everyone's doing one thing, you do the total opposite. So everyone's doing the, the 808 hip hop at the moment, like the trap fold over. It also sounds the same. So we're doing big room, big beat, 90s, rock, rock, live, thrashing hip hop, like hilltop hoods, you know, listen, so kind of vibe, you know, we just do the, like the longevity comes from doing things that are different at the time that you're doing it. But then like you want to release them quickly so they don't get out of date <laughs> with the, with the, I suppose the way the world is at the moment. But to answer your question, finally, the, uh, the things happen very, very quickly, only if you have done it for a very very long time if you wanted to succeed really properly you know mm -hmm. and one thing i want to pull from the the first when you're sharing your story <clears throat> excuse me was um you reference when you're making don't hold back like you know you got a bit of inspiration from this song and this song and you sort of mesh it together and that's something that i've uh really seen um from you know now you know stepping into music is that it's like there is a, obviously original sounds and original beats, but it's like a little bit borrowed from here and a little bit borrowed from there. And um, the and this is something I haven't shared with you, but we just had uh, Venice and Ava, my daughter, in the studio today. Uh, I've written this new track, and there's a, a lyric in the that uh, says, "Dad, can we go to the shop and get a lollipop?" And how I actually got that lyric was I was writing, and I was like, "Oh, I just feel like I just needed a bit of inspiration." So I um, I played Fifty Cent. Uh, uh, candy, candy shop. shop yeah and it was candy shop and i was like oh lollipop <laughs> and then that lyric came and i was like dad can we yeah, go to the yeah, shop yeah. and get a lollipop so i just love that you shared that because i think like you know people on their journey to success it's like they think they've got to like create everything new and it's like mm. obviously having original beats and or original tunes and original contents and ideas but it's like there's bits of inspiration drawn from all over the world yeah and here's the thing nothing is original mm. Unless you're the first tribe of the first tribe making the first African tribal drum beat, you're not original, <laughs> you know? You know, when the, like, classical... I listen to a lot of classical music, a lot in the car, because it just re-centers me. There's not all this chaos coming from the mix of this kick drum and the da-da-da. It's, it's just beauty. It doesn't matter how it's mixed. So uh, com coming back to that, you see, like, back in the day, I think it was a Nas that did... Um, uh, Causes he did a massive bit. It was Bach or um, Mozart, da, 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 and they put the hip hop beat behind it. So it doesn't really matter where you get your influence from. When you look at Dr. Dre, every, you know everyone, including me, says he is the best hip hop producer of all time, and he hands down is. But seventy percent of the stuff of his hits, they're samples of four bar loops of funk or soul or rock or old school records from the sixties and fifties. You know he crate digs and crate digs you know and say with moby play that whole album is just seven inch records him going through london you know through the, the record store through the markets finding these sounds rizza uh with um the rizza with ghostface killer wu-tang clan all that every single one of his records is a sample 
They're all samples. It's just the way he does it. Liam Howlett, the prodigy, they're all samples. People are breaking it down um, online, showing you how he, he made them. So it's not what you use. Well, it is. The, the, the quality of the sample is very important, but it's how you use it and how you change that and make it yours. So that people like Flume, Christ, you know, all of his stuff is done uh, digital feedback, you know, in arpeggios. And nobody would have that. Like from those really old school granular synthesizers, he uses that. Genius. You know, they were around in the 70s, 60s and 70s, you know. So taking all your influences, you're a product of everything you've listened to. That's why in my music DNA, I get those two lists of five tracks. The five tracks that have been the most influential to you growing up until now that have influenced you to get into music. And then the five tracks that you wish you made today or that you wrote today. And that gives me a, a DNA, not only of your key, but of all the different influences you have. So then I've got a paintbrush and, and some paint to be able to paint your, your colors as a producer for you as an artist. That's why I always ask you for a reference or for a feeling so then I can break down your key and I can expand the feeling of the track or have some fun like we did today. Get rid of this fucking track and put something totally fresh in that fits even better, which is always about us, you know. And that was rock, hip hop. That what I put it, yeah, rock, rock and hip hop. Yeah. yeah, it was wicked, wasn't it? So unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. So what? Um, you, yeah, you mentioned about uh, music DNA. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. So music DNA. Um, when COVID hit, uh, something happened to me physically, and I was knocked out for a bit, and so I had a lot of time in my hands, like we all did. And um, I'm really fascinated by music, color, frequency, energy, the Solfaggio scale, Fibonacci, the way the the way the universe works. And your personal energetic frequency, like Tony Robbins talks a lot about your PEF, your personal energetic frequency. So going down all these rabbit holes, I was listening to uh, a meditation, Andrew Johnson on Calm, and um, he was talking about, I think it was Andrew Johnson, anyway, uh, he was talking about the Solfaggio scale and how it made you feel in different keys and stuff like that. That, that stopped us in. That's just, I was going to take it. Yeah, go for it. And um, I'm, I'm really fascinated with the chakras and how they're aligned with color. And I was looking at, them all, including the Camelot wheel. And between the Solfaggio scale, the Fibonacci, the Camelot wheel, the chords, the notes of the piano, the colors, energy, light, and sound, it's like, well, how are the chakras, how's the energy and the notes, how do they match up? I couldn't find it anywhere. So I was like, well, fucking, I'll do it. <laughs> so I went down another rabbit hole and dug and dug and dug and deep. And what I discovered was that you only got seven chakras. There's only seven fucking notes, like C, D, E, F, G A B, and then your the next octave is the next fucking is your aura, right? And all of those have a color that all have an emotion attached to them, uh, which then you're starting to lead into the solfaggio scale. So I'm like, well, how the hell am I going to find as a producer? How am I going to find the best part of the artist? I need I need a, tor a torch in the dark, right? So then I was like, okay, references are cool, but I need to know more. The artist needs to know more about themselves. So. One of my friends, uh, Clara J, um, she came into a studio uh, in Bond Beach years ago. And she's like, okay, so what do you do? And I was like, well, fuck, okay. All right, well, I'll just, I'll break it down to just singular notes. And let's start at the middle C and let's start at the low C. Pick which one they like. So the middle C is, if they pick that, there's a certain reaction. I don't want to give it all away because what I do with the process you're better off not knowing, so it's a natural reaction. You can buy his 999 course <laughs> to get all of it. Yeah. yeah, you can, you can, you can. And um, it gives, once I play these notes, and I play them from the very, like, nice and harsh, but until it resonates all the way out. You have to listen to it all the way out. So and what happens 
is your body starts to adjust. When you're in dark and you've just got the resonance, which is a real frequency of the piano, it's one of the most pure in the guitar on the, on the, on the planet. And when you break it down as simple as that, you're going to get a really simple natural reaction. And then whatever key, I'll play them three times. First straight, and don't tell me what key it is. Second time, I'll play them in a, a different order. And then you have to find the key, let your body find the key. And then the third time, I'll play them again and then stop me on your key. And then from that note, I can go into the solfaggio scale and go into the Camelot wheel and just fucking chords on the piano and find out what, what your note is, what your literal note is. And then from that, say, if you're a new producer, I'm going to get, <clears throat> there's a process I go through getting you ready with all your 20 kicks, 20 snares, all that, 20 bases. And then once you have your key, you've got literally a key to the rest of your production of music. You just pick a sound, pick a style, and you go into Splice or SoundCloud or um, Loop Cloud or like any of the, the cymatics, any of the places that have samples. You can just go in and through this process, just find your sound, man, and find it before anybody else can tell you what it is because you're, you're armed with your key, you're armed with your style. And you're armed with more knowledge before you even get to the sound. So you already have your tone. You already have your frequency. And the music feels more attached to you because you're writing in your own personal energetic frequency. Yeah. And that's what the music DNA is all about. That's the start of the music DNA, yeah. Yeah, and I love... Uh, so I've had this track called Brother. And uh, so I, I wrote this song for my brother. He was diagnosed with cancer and I was going over to see him. So I, I sat down and I had just an instrumental beat that I wrote the track over. And then I said to Johnny, I was like, dude, can you create me a track? It's a track for my brother. Here's the the sample or the reference track. And um, yeah, you wrote me this, this or gave me this instrumental back. And as soon as I listened to it, man, I just, I was in tears. I was in tears right now. Because oh, yeah. I knew the story and I knew the key. It was in F minor. And, and that's the, the hard shock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so it it's fucking real, you know, and like you're having now, you have that little sort of lump in your throat moment because you know it's attached literally to here. There's nothing that can separate you from that note to the story of you and your brother. You know, even the one that we've just done is an F minor, you know, and I did, I, I, the brother 2.0. Yeah, yeah. You know, that we did to Method Man and uh, You're All I Need, that instrumental, you know, that's an F minor. So it works. It really, really works, you know, and see, I mean, Kanye West only said it a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I'm not a massive fan of Kanye's, but he knows what he's talking about. He goes, the, the 808 is c so it's the it's the bottom chakra it's it's your ball chakra it's it's e almost evil that's why all these 808s it's fucking sounds big and heavy and evil so the bass chakra you know it's right down there you know but it and then it just depends how you play the other notes around it how you want it to feel so what are you know i i have a, a sense of what what music means to me and mm -hmm. and why i feel like i'm i'm led to music and um you know i guess the the impact that you know, some the people that have had the biggest influence on my life are musicians, mm. you know, and just hearing, and especially through hip hop, it's like, you get to like Tupac's the, the one that comes to mind is like, you're like, I know, I feel like I know him in and out. Like, I feel like he's a brother, you know, and it's just like, I've heard his story. I've heard his message. I've heard what he's about. So it's like, he's had such an impact on my life. Like, where do you see, um, I guess hip hop and music and the potential to like, I guess, impact people or impact humanity i guess like yeah what's 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 your take on how the i guess the frequency of music and how it can impact someone at a i guess a That's, cellular level it's life-saving it really is you know it's it's as beautiful as you want it to be and as horrific as you write it you know and i mean that emotionally you know depending on what you're writing about not your talent level 
um because that can always be fixed you know it's just practice but i think that the world would be a really fucking sad place without music and melody like nobody taught the birds how to sing you got perfect pitch right so if you think about that as a metaphor like well fuck what are we really doing here are we here to make money or are we here to create are we here to make evil happen or are we here to love and there's only one side of each of those coins and music for me makes everything that's dark about this world and this life and this planet and the inner dialogue go away it just takes everything it takes time away it takes reaction away it takes negativity away and you can filter your shit through music and feel like you've just gone through you know 10 counseling sessions you know uh, or you've done mushrooms you know and and had that counseling session with gaia so it's everything you know like look at what bob geldof did in the 80s you know it, it, to change the world music always changes the world and if one thing will ever be left with the cockroaches it's melody <laughs> like I said, no one taught the birds how to sing so i think it's everything awesome my brother last last question i wrap it up is um you know what do you uh you know you work with you work with artists you help develop them you've been you've know, been working with me over the last few years um would love to just hear your take on like how you see me as an artist passionate man like passionate and i say this to a lot of people you know what what is it about clint and it's because he fucking wants it more than you do you know and he works harder than you do you've got more he's got more passion than you do and i think that once like that extra levels you know the level you had last week that you clicked and it just it exploded the more do you do of those, the more you write, and the more you do of those, the better you're going to get quicker. And you, you had such a massive breakthrough last week. It was like, oh, fuck. Ah, brilliant. You know, so I see you as an artist, not, and I mean this is a, in a positive way, not so much going for chart success, but to change broadly. You know, I, w I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pigeonhole what you do into chart music because you have your own community and you have such a following of people that believe in what you do start there let that grow organically and then just take over the fucking charts you know so it might not be today it might not be this time next year it might be tomorrow but you, you just fucking never know so for you as an artist i commend you on how much work you do and how passionate you are about it and how you've just like turned into this new creative human you know, and, and just going for a hell for leather and taking all the shit that I throw at you because... Which is a lot, by the way. It's a lot. No, it, well, it is a lot, you know, and I think over the time we've kind of, well, we've definitely built a new trust and a new level of trust. And it's like, okay, now it's like, okay, well, he can take all that shit. Well, maybe I'll just concentrate on the creative thing here for a minute. Okay, he needs to, he needs to be brought up a little bit. Oh, you fucker. And then, you know, we have our banter and then we level up. We have our banter and we level up. And, you know, some days like last Thursday, we couldn't stop laughing. You know, so I have a great time in the studio with you and I can't wait to see how this album comes out. I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about anything about either of us because I know the, the process that you and me have had and I know the feeling that comes out of these records. So I'm excited to see, like the first time I saw you perform, it was like, I get it. I really get it. Like imagine this with a full production behind you rather than an Irish DJ, you know? Um, but yeah, I to answer your question, I, I think more passionate, more driven than 99% of the people that I work with at the moment. Yeah, awesome, brother. And thanks for your, yeah, your inspiration in that and your, 
Yeah. And I guess what I, just to, to, to echo that, what I've learned from you is that it's, it's not really about the talent. It's like, are you willing to put in the work? And for me, like I, you know, I know for you, you've, you've grown up with music and it's very much in your DNA. It's like, I was growing, I grew up in music, but it's, it's also very new to me. Like I've never, haven't been so much in it, but the last couple of years, I have really immersed myself more in it and more so than ever in the last 12 weeks. And I've seen like, just by what like intense focus and devotion mm. and commitment and hard work mm. and getting in there and grinding, which has been your influence like, bro, just put in the fucking hours. The difference is that you don't need the lifestyle. You want to be an artist. And a lot of 99 kids grown up today, they want the lifestyle, but they don't want to do the hard work to become an artist. And I couldn't give up and rat's arse about people who want the lifestyle. That's what all, that all that bloody Facebook crap was about. And I want people who really love their art. I don't really care about anything else, to be perfectly honest. I care about people who care about their art, so I care about their art, and I want to get the best out of them. That's it. Mm, nice, brother. You know? Awesome. And we'll, uh, we'll come back to the shit that happened on Facebook uh, for conversation number two. Done. Yeah, awesome. Great to have you. Thanks, brother. That was cool, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to The Rich Mystic Man and uh, share this episode around if you drew some inspiration from it. And uh, yeah, that's how um, we do it. We do it here (laughs) at The Rich Mystic Man Podcast. Thanks, Johnny. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends, give it five stars, leave a comment. But most important thing of all is to take action from the wisdom and the nuggets that you heard within this show because that's where the magic happens. That's where the growth happens and that's where the rich mystic man resides. If you're serious about your growth, follow me across my social media at Morgan, and visit my website at www.clintxmorgan.com where you'll find more information about my training and membership to keep on expanding. Be proud of yourself, my brother. See you on the next episode of the Rich Mystic Man podcast.